Hi, everyone. Welcome to Moments of Truth, the show about my favorite moments from my favorite things. I'm Bill Coffin, and today we'll be discussing those songs whose creators managed to strike lightning, but we never hear from them again. We're talking about the coulda, woulda, shouldas of pop music, One Hit Wonders. Now, before we begin, we should probably note that one-hit wonders take various forms. It could be a song that's a big flash in the pan from an artist who's never heard from again, like Mickey by Tony Basil. It could be a total gimmick song made as a kind of smash-and-grab attempt to score some quick fame and fortune and then get while the getting's good, like Lou Bega's cover of Mambo No. 5. It could be a song from a movie soundtrack that really couldn't be followed up, like when Dueling Banjos by Eric Weisberg and Steve Mandel charted off the Deliverance soundtrack in 1973. It could be that song that gets huge and eclipses the rest of an otherwise successful and worthy musical career, like Simple Minds' Don't You Forget About Me. It could be the only U.S. hit for a musical act that enjoys great success and charts in other countries, such as Take On Me by AHA. It could be a song that was so immensely successful that people simply forgot that it was never followed up with anything else that charted, like Take 5 from Dave Brubeck. And it could be one song that charted from an act that was never about charting hits in the first place and had a huge career anyway, like The Grateful Dead's Touch of Grey. Or it could be a song from a group that only ever scored a single hit, but its members otherwise had huge careers and other hits, like Layla by Derek and the Dominoes. Whichever you, way you go, this podcast is way more about including things and excluding them, so we're not going to quibble over what a one-hit wonder really is. And really, what's the point? We all know a one-hit wonder when we hear one. Perhaps in its broadest sense, a one-hit wonder is that song that everybody knows, or at least recognizes, and is more likely to remember its name than the artist or artists behind it. Lots of folks take offense when the term one-hit wonders apply to a song they love, and that's understandable, since music critics rarely use the term as a compliment. But to look down on a song because it's the only time a band made it big is unwelcome snobbery. Someone made a song, and doesn't much matter whether we enjoy it for a week, a month, a year, or a lifetime. It just matters that we do. So with that in mind, welcome to this special episode of Moments of Truth, which will be one long thunder round as we try to name-check as many one-hit wonders that we love and share why we love them. There's a lot of them, so let's get to work. With me today is three-time long-distance dedication subject, Chris Crenshaw. Howdy, folks. That one white guy dancing on Soul Train, Tom Haspos. That's me. And the VH1 VJ nobody remembers, Joe Pace. Hey, Macarena. Hey! <laughs> so it begins. Everyone, welcome. Uh, all right, Thunder Round, round one. Chris, drop on us your first favorite, you know, one hit wonder, and why you love it. This is the Lion's Den. I hope you knew that before you came in. This is where the angels and the devils fight, and they're choosing upsides tonight. My moment of truth is Snake Dance by the Rainmakers, 1986. This was, it peaked at number 31 on the U.S. charts. It was their only U.S. hit. I saw the video on MTV exactly once, and... I fell in love with the band. Uh, they're they're a rockabilly band, sort of with horns. These really astute, historically aware lyrics. Like the the front man who wrote all the songs is probably a PhD in history. <laughs> <laughs> love them. Great stuff. I have I've never even heard of this song. <laughs> really, Bill? I, I I did introduce a lot of people in college to the to the Rainmakers. I, yeah, I but whenever I was in your room, you're introducing me to the Hooters, you know. And so I, that's that's. <laughs> <laughs> <What>? <laughs> 
<laughs> and, I and I remember oh, an animated argument between you and your roommate over which is the more meaningful band, the Hooters or the Smiths. And your argument was, well, the Hooters, because they invented an instrument, the Hooter. And I remembered, <laughs> I need to leave the room. <laughs> I don't think I can be here anymore. <laughs> this one all grows fast. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, Hoover, Thunder... was, Hoover was Euro trash anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Morrissey gets under my skin in the worst way. I just have to say it. He just, oh, God. Uh, I'm, just, I'm just so English and so sad to be me. Like, oh, knock it off, you Morrissey, please. Anyway, uh, okay, Thunder Round. Uh, Joe, what is, what's, your, what, what's, what's, uh, what's your moment of truth uh, one-hit wonder here? Uh, for me, I mean, I, I drop these really into categories. And for one of them, I mean, there's a number of one-hit wonders in the late 80s, early 90s that we used to listen to in the locker room before football games or on headphones on a disc man uh, before track meets and stuff. And one of them, uh, I have to go EMF, unbelievable. Oh! oh what the fuck? What yeah, exactly. The exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I love everybody was ready with you. Yeah, exactly. Oh! That was one that was always on at full blast in the locker room in 91, 92 before football games. I, I don't know why, because it doesn't really, it's not, it's not the standard like pump you up song, but for some reason we felt like I'm going to go and be, I'm going to go be unbelievable. And here we go. It's yeah. Talking about me. And it just got us ramped up and ready to go. Yeah, that, that's not the song I would associate with high school football, but it is a banging tune. And I freaking love that song. I always have loved that Every song. Rotation. I still love that song. <laughs> it's just great, man. It's a, oh, it's a great tune. Oh, so good. Uh, Tom, one hit wonder. Drop it on us. All right. So my first one, I'm going to go uh, with a song that I actually think is the perfect pop song. And for years, it was my the CD I would pop in to like test a new car stereo uh, <laughs> because it just had so much great instrumentation in it. And it was just the per perfect little pop song. And it's uh King of wishful thinking by go West. Go West. Oh man. Yeah. Uh, pretty woman soundtrack. <laughs> and you know, like I don't like a lot of pop music. I dig that song. I think it's great. <laughs> so why was that your, why I was don't your stereo? fall at your feet. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it was really well because you cut me too. It was, you know, not really part of like the loudness war. You know, like yeah. mixed really well, and it, I felt like it tested out the dynamic range of the system really well. And it just it really freaks people out that that was my song because most you know people would put in a rap song with like heavy bass or something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to test all <laughs> the parts of this. System. Let's not sleep because that's a great soundtrack. That's that's, that's a that, great that, soundtrack. That soundtrack yeah. is a perfectly acceptable soundtrack. All right, so my my moment of truth is uh don't you know about the bird? Well, everybody knows that bird is the bird. About that bird, 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 the bird. Surfing bird by the Trashmen. I freaking love this song. It's just so good. So that's song from 1963. So it's probably the only one of the very few um songs I'll talk about tonight that predates me. When I was in high school. Platoon came out and Full Metal Jacket came out and there's a whole national kind of revisitation of Vietnam, especially right. in film. And so a lot of the music from the era was used to soundtrack those movies. And so that was like in high school, I got this quick dip into the rock music or the pop music of that era, you know, kind of was. And it was very weirdly curated stuff. But Surfing Bird, I got out of the Full Metal Jacket soundtrack and I just love that tune so much. Uh, I ended up just kind of, you know, buying these, you know, cassettes of like, you know, best of the 60s, that sort of stuff, and trying to get like the stuff that was not what I typically would associate with like 60s, like psychedelia kind of stuff, you know. 
And um, yeah, I just I just dug that tune so much, man. This is a, that song is just a, a huge amount of fun, and it's and it's just like it's just gibberish, and you can just just babble along with it. And just there's nothing wrong with this thing at all. It's fantastic. That's one of those songs that, by the way, whenever anybody now, like you know, my parents' generation is like. I don't understand these songs today. I'm like, okay, talk to me about what, you know. Sean Explain Oz. Surf and Bird, please. Exactly. <laughs> walk me through those Family words. Guy episode, like, made about this damn song. Like, <laughs> it's just a fantastic too, man. I, I will defend this one till I die. It's a great song. All right, right. So going back around the table then, Chris, what's your next one-hit wonder you want to lay on us and why? I will follow your lead and, and go early. <laughs> Gary Glitter, Rock and Roll Part 2. Controversial choice, man. Interesting. You know, yeah, he's a child molester and all. (laughs) Okay, I'm glad we got that out of the way. We need need to clear this. Okay, he's an evil man who's rightly in jail for the rest of his life and he belongs there. And it's a shame he didn't get there sooner and he's freaking awful. However, Rock and Roll Part 2 is is a a huge part of the culture uh, in America. You know, where nobody knows who Gary Glitter is. Yeah, I've I've lived in England, so I know who Gary Glitter is, uh, but nobody here does. And at every single sporting event you will ever go to, they will play this song. Well, you know, it's interesting. So the lack of knowledge of who Gary Glitter is in the States is so deep. Yeah, you go to sporting events and people know the song. A lot of people think that, hey, hey, like even if you're not into it, you're into it now. Like you can't help but be swept up by it. But I think a lot of people think it just that just got written by some like, organ player at a stadium somewhere like i don't right. think they realize it's outside of the sports <laughs> anthem world that is so it, dominates it's an actual rock song that was on an actual yeah, yeah. rock album when i was when i was at the university of new hampshire and they still do this now at unh hockey games when we when the wildcats score everybody stands up and that song will play and you put a finger up or the number of fingers in the air with how many goals have been scored one two three yeah. four whatever and you circle it around your head and whenever it goes duh you point at the other goalie and say sif sif it's a shaming tradition that's fantastic they would play that hardcore at a, at the spectrum when i would go to see the flyers play and if you've ever been to a flyers game or any philadelphia sports Apparently it's game, a hockey song it, yeah it can mean any song but like you know when you go see a live sporting event in in philadelphia it's bring it's batteries to throw on the field yeah, or just pick one, pick one up that somebody threw and didn't make it to the field. I mean, it's just, it's just barbarity, you know. I mean, I've seen beers thrown on women and children. I've just seen all kinds of like sub civilized behavior in, 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 all in the name of supporting your team. There was this crew we used to sit next to in a Flyers game, and these guys were like hardcore salt of the earth, you know, South Philly guys, and they would go bonkers for for Rock and Roll Part Two. And I'm like, if you knew what Gary Glitter looked like back when he recorded this song, you would not be singing along with this song. <laughs> He's like so glammed out, and it's like, you know what? It's okay. The song just lives in its own universe. At this like Ozzy and Crazy Train, right? Like it's the same kind of thing. Yeah, kind of the same. So exactly, exactly. So, uh, Joe, you're up next. Yeah, one of my other categories, and, and we're going to need some space to get through some of these, but like uh, <laughs> my brother and I, in the late 80s, we used to watch a lot of VH1, uh, I Love the 80s. This was before Spotify, before the internet, and before access to whatever you possibly could have you know, could have wanted. So we would watch this after school, and these, these songs would come up on rotation, and they'd have videos attached to them. And, and one of them, and oh God, i got to pick off the list, don't I? But uh, I'm going to say The Cutting Crew. I just died, oh, in, your just died in your arms tonight. Oh, you're making me cross one off. I just died in your arms tonight. Oh, man. That's a fantastic song. 
exactly like the you know like the pounding piano rhythm to it. What is it like half yes, half Asia or something? I don't know. Yeah, you it kind of is. It's Asia. And you know you don't think about it, but it's eighty six. It's actually like in the second half of the I would have if I had to guess, I'd have said eighty two or eighty three, but no, it's eighty six. Yeah, yeah. High school for me. Yeah, I actually did almost choose that as my first choice because I, I picked the Rainmakers because it was one of those really uncommon one-hit wonders that actually turned me onto the band that nobody yeah. else paid attention to. Yeah, this was another one. That album broadcast was fantastic. <laughs> Chris, that's really cool. Why? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good, so good. All right, Tom, one-hit wonder, lay it on us. I'm doing a double shot and you can't stop me. Uh, <laughs> both of these songs, you know, you know, they always talk about how the mixtape travels out from the urban areas to the suburban white kids. And the first rap was thus heard this way. Yeah. These songs. Okay. That were on that cassette. The one that reached me anyway, oh. jam on it by nucleus yes! and rappers delight by the sugar Hill gang. Oh, <laughs> Oh, so love that. Like, that was like a oh. new musical world for me. I was like, oh my God, dude, I'm having a help. And where can I get more? We didn't even refer to it as rap. We called them jam songs. Because yeah. Oh, man. Like, we didn't know what That was before hip hop was a thing. Yeah. Jam on it by Nucleus is such jam a on. freaking jam. Oh my god, I rocked out so hard mm-hmm. at that song. In fact, going back a couple episodes ago, we were doing the guilty pleasures episode, and we we're you know doing you know research for it. I actually listened to the entirety of Jam on Revenge and and just listened to the whole album. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, because I was like, I love this album. I love this album so much. And I'm listening to it. and I'm like, you know what? I'm not bringing this one up. I'm keeping this one for me. I still love it. It's still good. It's okay. I brought that up the concept albums episode for that matter, man. Yeah, no, no, it's so good. What well, the thing is, the thing with Nucleus so is that it was also. I'm here to rock. <laughs> with Woofa is made of steel. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I said, hi, you for real? Yeah, yeah. naturally. <laughs> hey, Murgatroyd, let's go. Yeah, no, it, it was it was so good. ahead and pony. Yeah. Well, the thing with, thing with Nucleus means. though is that it, it was it was kind of like early electro as well. Like the hip hop at the time had like a had like a real curious sound to it. Like those sounds kind of diverged like not not long after that album came out. And it's funny that one never really hit it big, but oh, that song had a massive impact on me. Holy crap! I can't. I mean, Rappers of the Light was, 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 that was the second one you called out, right? Yeah, yeah. That's another seminal song, right? It's huge. It's kind of regrettable. It's not that great of a song, <laughs> but not, you can. But, but you know, like, but, but you can't deny its impact. Stop it. it was one of the first like i remember those two songs there was a i can't remember which song by the fat boys was on that mixed cassette and <laughs> the um, fat boys for the best first blow i think one of uh, like his yeah. early things was on there and i'm like this is the first breath of rap music that i can just remember ever getting yeah yeah <laughs> out oh, there man. you know 70 miles from new york city where they have farms and confederate flags <laughs> <laughs> i'm a little new hampshire we didn't get rap until the 90s <laughs> 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 it actually had to move out there by foot. Somebody had to carry the cassettes on their like, rucksack. You know, now you order too. something from Amazon and you get the message that says, sorry, your package is late. Like that was rap getting to New Hampshire. <laughs> sorry, your package is going to New Hampshire. It's just so. going to take a couple of years. <laughs> My next one hit wonder is a song. Um, might be one of the more obscure ones. It's called Move Your Feet by a, a group called Junior Senior. 
it's it's a weird song. I so I discovered it on the internet, and it's it still it's, has a no hit wonder. Good for you. Yeah, it's yeah, exactly. It's no hit wonder. I never actually heard it apart from seeing its video online, and it's one of those songs I just have a fondness for because it, it's just got this ba 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 everybody. It's just sort of this funny little kind of goofy dance song. The whole video is this eight bit video game, and there's this little squirrel running around like blowing up the scenery. And it's one of these these weird things where it was at a time in my life where my daughter was really little, my son was was even more little. At a time when I was listening to a lot of preschool music, I would rather not be listening to. This is a fun, goofy little jam that all three of us liked, and it was this a cool little bonding experience. I'm sure the kids probably don't even remember this song anymore, but I do, and I just I always love it for that reason. Chris, your next one hit wonder. Since you guys are dropping the ball so completely, I'm gonna go ahead and have to <laughs> what offer up Dexie's Midnight Runners. Oh, on, who? Come on, Eileen. Oh, I swear what he means at this moment. You mean everything. everything. Yeah. You in that dress, dress all, all my thoughts, thoughts I confess at this verge on dirty. <laughs> Oh, come on. Oh, yeah. Eileen. one hit wonder. I mean, this may be apocryphal, but I've, I've heard the story over and over. The front man was like a, a producer who said, you know what? I could do this better. Looking around at Pop Axe at the time and just went out and did it. <laughs> and <laughs> that was on heavy rotation. That is a daggone yeah. perfect song. Yeah. It, it's it's infectious it's joyful it's sexy it's yeah well it's dirty <laughs> it's <laughs> and filthy <laughs> and, and it's perfect I've heard that video that referred to as homage to the armpit <laughs> <laughs> no, no. it's so true though <laughs> <laughs> the video perhaps yeah, <laughs> yeah the video <laughs> <laughs> I will agree. But the song is all about perfect. Sex. Like whenever anybody thinks of one hit wonder, that's yeah. definitely yeah. one. Yeah, it, 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 it's one definitely one of the, one of the greatest ones. Also, a fun fact about uh, "Come On Eileen" is that that's that's the song that was the combo breaker for Michael Jackson. He was actually supposed to he was going to get two consecutive number one hits back to back, and <laughs> "Come On Eileen." Got number one spot for a week and then moved on. <laughs> it's like, it's like combo breaker, Jackson. Anyway, Dexies are out. <laughs> From a band named for Dexedrine. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> like that's that's just that's a salty cut, man. That's just hard. <laughs> just a, they didn't have to do Jackson like that, but they did. So <laughs> it just gives me gives me the giggles. I love it. I love it. So all right, Joe, what's your next one hit wonder, man? It's getting, it's getting, it's getting kind of hectic. It's getting, it's getting kind of hectic. I got the power. So we're going back to the locker room. We're going back to a snap, and I got the power was on heavy rotation right before we would go out and take the field because we wanted to make sure we had the power. And it was like, you know, you know, get off my back because I will attack, and you don't want that. And you don't want that. Yeah, such a like like that like thumping like pounding bass to it, and it was just like get you fired up. That song landed when I was in college, right? And 
I mean, it would come on MTV and it's like, and everyone's looking around, you know, and it's like, I went to school with Chris and Tom and there was just not a lot of music like that in the environment there. If you watch MTV, that was a way to get access to music that was not in the local scene at all. I mean, we were in heavy, like Steve Miller band, Allman Brothers kind of country, right? <laughs> so Snap was simply not on the menu. You're in your like fraternity house watching MTV and the song would come on. And a lot of these guys would like look at each other and they're like, like, what do we do about this? We're not really into this sort of thing. I don't know. And then you hear, I got the power. And they're like, they're in. Like, if you were just like, it's like gravity. Like, I don't, you know what, whatever baggage I've got, I'm into the song. I'm like, that's right, MF, you're in, man. The song is so good. Excellent. Tom, what's your next one hit wonder? I'm going right back to pop guilty pleasure territory with Hold On by Wilson Phillips. Oh. <laughs> one more day, man. All right. Oh. So there's a story behind. Well, first off, Kids, like when you get married or when you got married, when I did, there was this ritual called combining the two CD collections, which meant like I would have to go through my wife's stuff and kind of merge it with mine. And they all kind of came together, just like everything else in our lives. Why we have Guster. And I'm like, oh, you know, you have Wilson Phillips. Like I've always wanted to listen to this album. And she tried to shame me so hard on Facebook a couple of years ago for liking Wilson Phillips. And I'm like, excuse me, you have three people in this band. Two of them grew up with Brian Wilson as a dad. And the other one, you know, for parents had, you know, the two of the principals and the mamas and the papas. Yeah. Why would you not want to listen to that? At least just to hear what it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I listened to it. It wasn't bad. You know, I, but like that song just stuck with everybody. I mean, it's been brought up a bit like in two, at least two movies that I can think of. Mm -hmm. uh, Bridesmaids mm -hmm. and Harold and Kumar go to White Castle, where, which is a hilarious <laughs> scene in the movie. You can make an argument that they had other hits, but no, they're known for that one. And yeah. I, I like it. I think it's a decent pop song. <laughs> it's a decent pop song. And honestly, I was really surprised we didn't hear more from Wilson Phillips because vocally that that group, they, they were tight. I mean, they were really they were really good vocalists. And I was surprised um, that they didn't go farther than they did. Uh, yeah. I mean, for two of you, you, your dad changed how vocals sounded in modern music. And yeah, that's what we got. All right. Well, you know, I'll take it. <laughs> My next one hit wonder is, uh, again, probably another no hit wonder. It's um, Send Me On My Way by Rusted Root. <laughs> Send me on my way. Oh, Big my when way. I was in college. Send me on my way. Oh, my way. Send me on my way. Think of armpits. Send me yeah. on my way. Oh, it was, yeah, there was no hygiene in that group whatsoever. It was, <laughs> but. Screw but, you in your showers. <laughs> exactly. It was a bunch, yeah. Send me on my way to find some deodorant. Yeah, there was, and there was probably more than a few white dreadlocks in that group, too. There were a band I. I came across, actually, I just graduated school and went back to visit my brother at his school, and he was actually running a radio station. He goes, oh, yeah, you got to listen to this group, Rusted Root. And I was like, holy moly. It just it just, it just knocked me over. I really loved it. Loved it a whole lot. That song was like a quick hit, and then it moved away. But, like, I was always kind of puzzled that they even bothered to chart in the first place because their music was so... Kind of if, it, like, <laughs> if the papyrus font was a band, it would have been Rusted Root, you know? <laughs> they, they only charted because of the... Proliferation of music charts, you know, like yeah, there were there were eleven different genres you could chart in. But the was there a marijuana chart? Because I think that was with Fish, and you know that was pretty much where they but, were. But see, they, they, like like they weren't they weren't jam band enough to be in the Fish crowd, and they weren't sold out enough to be in the Spin Doctors crowd. So they were like, there's nowhere for them to land. They just sort of they were very carbon leaf. They, they, yeah, they were very carbon leaf. You're right. 
when I listened to Carbon Leaf, I was like, oh, these are guys like Rusted Root. I get this. I'm a, <laughs> I understand, Joe. This is a good stuff, man. If you want to feel super granola and, you know, solar power, then, you know, get your Birkenstocks on and uh, sit back in your hemp hammock and listen to it. You'll have a good time. So it's good stuff. I like that song. You know, I think it's one of those things that not everybody, um, you know, knows that it's, it's who the artist is. It's one of those one hit wonders. Like, if you ask yeah, people are maybe yeah. 10 of them going to know the name of the song and the artist. I, you know, it's one of those. It still lives on. You'll still hear it today. You just won't hear it on like any self-respecting radio station, you know? So, Chris, what's your next one hit wonder? Here's a little song I wrote. You <gasps> might want to sing it note, note for, for note. note. Don't, Don't worry. worry. <laughs> be, happy. be happy. Don't worry. Be happy now. Do, I mean, do, 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 it, it's like the counterpart to Dexy's Midnight Runners. It, it It is so one hit out of the blue. Who the heck is this guy? <laughs> yeah. What is going on? Why is this on the radio? And why am I singing it? <laughs> why can't I it help like it? like feral before there was feral. Yeah, it's like it was like a combo breaker for all of MTV. Like seriously, like it fit, it fit in none of the programming boxes. It landed like a brick through the window wherever it went. And that like super wholesome video. Like, yeah, it, it, it just it didn't fit. It didn't it didn't work. But it blew no. the heck up. When I watched, when I first saw the video, I swear to God, I expected Fred Rogers just come strolling in. Like, hey everybody! Like it was it was that. It was on that wavelength, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, everybody, you know? Oh, God. Yeah, and of course, the only acapella song to ever chart, I think. Yeah, probably. And so. of course, Chris brings it up. Of course. <laughs> Joe, what do you I'm got? I'm going back to 1991 because Mr. Big wants me to be with you. Oh, man. Oh. <laughs> because Green Tinted 60s Mind is not a hit, so... You got to give oh. a guilty pleasure warning before you drop something like Mr. Big, man. <laughs> <laughs> I like that song a lot too. One who I, wants you really got to do like a trigger warning or something. Yeah. Tom, deep inside, I know you feel it too. Dude, I could play that song right now on an acoustic guitar all day long. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I wish you would. I wish you would have warned me. I would have, you know, had you on on guitar right now. I would have the guitar, but again, Joe did not offer up a warning, and this is what we get. <laughs> I don't come with the trigger all warning short because Joe can't do trigger warnings. Thanks, Joe. You ruined the whole yeah, show. Yeah. Thank you. But uh, I, I will say that that now I, that was a high school dance song for, for me Ace. Um, in '91. So, all right. So for mine. Ooga chaka, ooga 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 chaka, ooga ooga. I can't stop this feeling deep inside of me. Oh man, hooked on a feeling by by Blue Swede. Um, this was a great song even before it got rediscovered by Quentin Tarantino and then rediscovered again by James Gunn. But it, it's just a great song. It's ne- and it never really it got rediscovered and got more profile, but it never really went away. The Uga Chaka kind of thing is just sort of like a, a real deeply held earworm in our culture. You know, it's just, you know, early internet meme. When they relaunched the Muppet Show, at one point, you know, you know, people, you know, they're they're the the pigs in space reboot. They're all singing Uga Chaka, Uga, Uga, Uga. And somebody stops like, what are you doing? It's like we're Uga Chaking. <laughs> it's like that's what the song is. It's Uga Chaking, you know, and and since we are flirting dangerously close with guilty pleasure territory, I will make a confession to you, which is that for Christmas, I got the supremely cool Christmas present for my daughter. 
basically of, of a like practice puppet, like a Muppet, you know, because on the sly, I'm practicing puppeteering just for, for kicks. And so what I do is I, I lip sync the puppet to songs on YouTube so I can do it with my headphones on. People have to hear me speaking in a goofy voice because I hear enough of that as it is. Hooked on the feelings, one of my go-to like practice puppeteering songs is because it's just fun to just, uh, you know, side of me, you know, <laughs> it's, just, it's, just a, it's just a hoot. I, I totally love it. Tom, go ahead. I'm going to go with uh, Stacy's mom, Fountains of Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. Great video. Twice on Sundays. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happened to Jesse's girl when she grew up. <laughs> that's fantastic. That's that, that that's so good. Check out Postmodern Jukebox. It is the craziest thing because it's like all these songs you know, but in instrumentations and styles you've never heard of before. And it's just it. And they're really good at what they do. But their cover, Stacy's mom, is fantastic. Oh, <laughs> so, I gotta check that out. Yeah, no, no, the songs it, become like the inside joke for our family now because like Kate's best friend or one of our best friends is named Gracie. And so, you know, Gracie's mom will come and pick her up when she's done with the play date. So it becomes, you know, Gracie's mom is done. Come really with a towel on. Gracie's mom has it going on, but, you know, it's a song. And <laughs> it's, a, it's a song. It's a song and it'll be sung. So. Song, and I can sing it. And it's like a running dad joke that goes on forever and ever. I love it. The only kind of dad joke we're oh, telling, man. the one that has no end. <laughs> right. So, Chris, what's your next, uh, what's your next one hit wonder? I'm too sexy for my love. Right, oh, sexy Fred, for here my he comes. love. Love's Eddie. going to leave me. Wow. Right, said Fred. Chris, I'm not sure you had the pectoral muscles to call on that song. You don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know. Chris is, in fact, too sexy to tell me. That's the whole point. Man, too sexy no for way I'm just you going to You know what? Yeah. We <laughs> no dance. There was no way I was going to call on that song, but I was desperately hoping somebody would because we, we need to. Also, desperately hoping it wasn't this. No, it was a, it was a big deal when we were in college. Uh, one of uh, there was an MTV lip sync competition at spring break, and yep. Uh, yep. one of the fraternity houses teams actually made the finals on MTV doing this song. Yeah. Oh, that was big news at the campus, too. It was too. really funny, too. Well, it was funny because, I mean... They were, like, the nerdiest house. And... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I was... No, but, you know, it was heroic, though. I was like, you know, it you was, guys are awesome. It was, like, it was lovely. It, 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 was so, it was so great, you know. And and it, it ticked off all the right people at our school. Like, why are you doing that song? Because it's awesome. Get out of our face. Just, you know what? It's a fun, fun, fun song. Yeah. How can you not enjoy it? Yeah, it's like, step aside. Fun people are having fun here, okay? It's serious business. Move along. There's a great yeah. scene in the in the West Wing where uh, Allison Janney's character C.J. Craig is singing that she has no idea, like she's making up her own lyrics to it, and she's like, "Too sexy for my shirt, too sexy for this other thing." And oh yeah, like she's like, yeah. "What am I talking about?" Like, <laughs> People would constantly be like, "I'm too sexy for my coffee cup, too sexy for my coffee cup." I mean, it was like '94 to '96. Everybody was too sexy for like all kinds of mundane objects, and yet nobody life. was too sexy for anything. Yeah, and nobody was too sexy until Justin no. Timberlake brought sexy back, and then it was okay. <laughs> well. I mean, I'm too sexy for this song, though. That's true. That is true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One of the great hard stops in music history, right? <laughs> Truth. Yeah, I just quit. I'm like, what happened? Like, thought my radio broke. So, Joe, what have you got for us? Yeah, I mean, this is a song actually is from 1990, but I didn't discover it until later when I was in college, maybe five or six years later, when I, my roommate was the head DJ at our student radio station. And uh, I was introduced to the Wonders of Groove is in the Heart by Delight, which I will not sing because oh, I do not have the range. Groove's in I the Heart. I lack the range. 
Grooves in the heart. I can't get Grooves in the heart. I don't have a That song, by the way, though, is just if you are in a bad mood. I don't oh. care if you like if your yeah. cat died or if like yeah. I don't you know your wife left you put that song on and you will feel fine. Oh man, the groove I do deeply dig. Uh, that song is just <laughs> freaking fantastic. So my suckatash, my suckatash, where is sing it, baby? <laughs> I couldn't dance for another. Oh my god, <laughs> this is so good. Bootsy Collins shows up, a special guest star. Like, oh man, Marvel team up with Bootsy Collins. We're gonna win. It, it was so. <laughs> It was so good. That is a that is a good mood in a bottle. It, it absolutely is. You know, it's funny. So Chris was talking about how I'm too, you know, some folks from our school got to the MTV thing on, you know, I'm Too Sexy. The following year, the guys from my fraternity won the same contest doing Groovers in the Heart. And the guy was cross-dressing as, as, as Delight. And it was the best time ever. I mean, they, they won. We just, yeah, we just like rushed the stage and danced. It was so, it was so fantastic. We're like, it's just, that song is just a good time to be had. I won't do that. That contest, that lip sync contest, was brought home by our mutual friend Maurice Cole one year. I think they went to some kind of like statewide thing with another one hit wonder, Rump Shaker. It's <gasps> an effect. No way. Yeah. <laughs> That's a worthy song, too. That's oh, a worthy song to bring it home to. It's Dang. Fun. Like how all those lips, all one hit wonders. That's crazy. And you know, and you know what's funny? It, so the school we went to, that is not a school where you could reliably expect to, to hear Right Said Fred, D-Light, <laughs> and Rex and Effect in any context whatsoever. And yet, they're the ones that brought home, you know, awards, you know, you know, you know which just proves just how out of whack our school was when it came to music and the culture and what people were willing to listen to, what they weren't willing to listen to, because all kinds of hangups they had external to the music, you know? Deep <laughs> in Allman Brothers territory. Oh, yeah. I, you know, I, both times, country and... Country and Western. <laughs> Dude, I never bought the Steve Miller Band's greatest hits because I just listened to it environmentally yeah, like once had. a day, every day, four years. Like, I don't need to listen Main to it. Street. He was an uninitiated Kai side, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of the first things I learned when I rushed. And it's funny how I moved. Yeah, what do you got, Tom? What I am is what I am, and what yes. uh, uh, what oh Kellen, you Bohemians, like what happened? I was like, I love this album. I love this groovy little hippie chick, and then she's yeah. like, I am going to go marry Paul Simon. Yeah, I'm like that was it. Done. Yeah, she and Garofalo. Yeah, she hit the silk. Like huh. she, she had it every. She had it all. She's ready to go. And I loved it. I'm like, where's the follow up album? Loved yeah. it. Love this. Love this. Nowhere to be found. Well, especially because at that time, that was like like real early '90s, I guess it was. Like it was it was a it was the perfect time to have a little like neo hippie groove kind of going. Like there's a lot of there's a lot of appetite for that, and she could have just cleaned house. She became Natalie Merchant, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think Natalie Merchant ate her lunch. I think that was exactly yeah, that. Uh, that, that could very well be. I, Natalie Merchant is no joke. She's she's a terrific artist. She's done some fantastic. Tiger Lily is just a killer album. It's so the new so, Bohemians so good. became Ten Thousand Maniacs, and the rest is history. And the rest is history. That's that's all it was. All right. So my next one. We're gonna rock down to Electric Avenue, Avenue. and then we'll take it higher. higher. (laughs) (laughs) Out in the streets. Oh my God. (laughs) Out in the daytime. (laughs) In the dark side of town. Lord, we're gonna rock down. That song, that song is so freaking great. If if you were a child who's heard that when it came out and you didn't sing it into a moving electrical fan, then you're a liar. Okay, I know you did. 
everybody try to get that vocal thing going on that is the first song that i remember hearing on the radio is it really yep that's so 81 maybe uh yeah it's uh it's 83 83 so i was like seven or eight years old yeah yeah (laughs) first song i can if i think back like that was like a big hit on the radio and was on time like that's the first that's you are off to a proper start my friend that's a great <laughs> song to start with honestly uh, yeah. there are so many i the songs i listened to initially were very regrettable that's a great song to listen to i don't care who says it well but see you were that age in like 76 77 so yeah, yeah no there was yeah, and, and 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 we'll get there <laughs> the carpenters were a different yeah. animal oh, it was a, it was a, it was a dark time for the rebellion i'll just put it that way oh man he had gone on like one of the talk shows or whatever like he just dropped another album and like he's still recording and touring he's like 74 years old right and he and he gets on and he just he sings electric avenue like live and he's just rocking like holy oh, moly that's an old man voice he always had that he, he always <laughs> so his he aged right under his voice he just sounded perfect i'm like eddie grant is my hero man like i wish i am doing something i love as well as he's doing it when i'm his age like Sean Moynihan, who we had on the, the show a couple episodes back, you know, he's also just hugely into music, and he often he and I would often quote this song to each other. Every once in a while, if ever there's like if something happened, it's like oh, like you know, think something's about to go down. I would just text him in all caps, "Out in the streets." <laughs> and he's like, "Oh, what's happening? Out in the daytime? Oh, <laughs> it's like not real." <laughs> so, oh man, uh, Chris, what have you got for us? Back at base, bugs in the software, flash the message, something's out there, floating in the summer sky, 99 red balloons go by. Da, 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 1983, Nana. Holy crap. Super awesome, because every now and again on the radio, they would play the German version. Yes. And here, yeah. therefore, is my double act. Falco, rock me, rock me, Amadeus, 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 Amadeus. You could hear in the early '80s German language pop songs, yeah. on the radio in the U.S., yeah. and yeah. that's freaking cool. When you hear like nine nine red balloons or nine nine left balloons, it's like it's like you couldn't tell which one it was. And my radio station would just change them up. It's like you just can never tell. And it's like you end up learning both versions of it. And it was it was great. And I love that song so much. And Rock Me Amadeus was like, move out of the way. That song was a banger, man. I love that. It was awesome. I love it so much. I loved it so much. It was so good. It's so dumb. But really, read read the English translation of the lyrics. It's dumb. Yeah. (laughs) I'd rather focus on the music video where he's walking around as a coked out Mozart with like bikers opening the door for him. Like, look, I I just want to be where that is. Like that. (laughs) that, Yeah. That's the '80s in a jar, right there. Freaking loved it, you know. Full throatedly endorse that pick. That was, that's a great double pick because they they're they're so good. Props to Nana for the uh, the Captain Kirk name. Oh, yeah. yeah, right. Uh, but the the the, the thing about Falco and Rock Me Amadeus that, didn't that come out '84? That's the same year as the Amadeus Tom Hulse uh, movie came out. Or Nine Nine Love Bone Loans came out in '83, and Rock Me Amadeus came out in '85. Well, but it was like right near. Yeah. Uh, it was right around because I, I think the movie no, was '84. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So had to have the movie. At a very limited window to release a song with Amadeus in the title. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. Like, right. Move, get it out there. Hurry nailed up. It. Move now. Move now. It's not ready yet. What? Make it ready. <laughs> Throw some German gibberish in there and get it out on the street. <laughs> just, just make it happen. Out okay, on the street. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> uh, all right, Joe, what have you got for us? Oh, baby, you. You got, got what I, I need. And you say he's, he's just, just a friend. A friend. 
and, and you, you say he's just, just a brown man. Oh, baby, you. <laughs> Bismarcky, 1989, my freshman oh, year in high school. Crap. My baseball team, that's all we sang the whole time. I mean, just endlessly. <laughs> I did not hear that song until much later, like in the 90s. I, I, I never yeah. heard it. And, and in the 90s, I was like, oh, this is my jam. Oh, man. That, that song is so great you were for just so many a friend? reasons. Is that what happened? Yeah. I love how the name of the girl in it is blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Well, he wears it on his sleeve, doesn't he? (laughs) That's a song that lets you know that you too can sing if you have the courage to do so. Like, like it's, you know, anybody, anybody on the planet can sing better than Biz Marquis. I was very amused. <laughs> you know, I was going to pick just a friend for my next selection. That was actually going to be my next selection. Yeah, it was one of the ones I was working yeah. on. <laughs> my, so I've got to, no, it's okay. This, I love that this happened. This, this just confirms how great a song it is. I love karaoke. I love singing karaoke so much. It's so much fun, especially with a big group of friends. It's just a ball. I used to go to this professional conference every year, and a bunch of my colleagues, like the press corps, we would just get together, and we'd have just like, you know, annual karaoke night. The whole crew gets together, and it was just the, the greatest time. And we had this one particularly epic night in New Orleans where we're singing. Me and, me and my friend Sean, we got together, and we we duetted uh, Just a Friend by Biz Marquis, and it was the most hilarious time. And we got the entire crowd like going back and forth and they cut the sound on us. Like, we'll just do an acapella. Come on. And people just kept singing. And it was like, it was just such a great time. Like, Bismarck Key, thank you, man. You gave me that. I I love you, buddy. (laughs) It was so fantastic. Uh, Tom, what have you got? Okay. I'll let you guys pick. What do you want? You want more rap? Do you want guilty pleasure territory? You want Dude, if you give me guilty pleasures, I'm taking guilty pleasures. Door in the middle. Door in the middle. <laughs> only only a few problems will come back to the rap, please. Okay. Guilty pleasure, missing you, John Waite. Um, oh yeah. Yes. Oh, why is that guilty? That is a goddamn no guilt there. What? <laughs> like it came out right around the time when you started the breakup out with song. girls. Uh, yeah. reminds me very much of a high school girlfriend who sadly is no longer with us. But Aww. uh Loved, loved, not loved that song. And mm. you can make all the arguments in the world. Like the guy had, you know, hits with the babies and bad English. You know, no, 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 uh, no, it's one just... solo hit. <laughs> that song landed at a time when I was in the prime market for adolescent breakup kind of music, you know, or, or unrequited love music. It hit all the right notes. And uh, yeah, that, oh, good. That good guy has pipes too, man. He's got, you know, very good rock vocalist, you know, despite what people might think of him, what he did with the talent. But uh, yeah, yeah. And that, that's well, look, you know what? The truth is he got a song that we're talking about so many years later. Right. So, so you can't. Yeah, so you can't look too askance at these things. They, they did something that sticks. Years, you know? Yeah. Right. That's no, good stuff. My next one is uh, by Tommy Two Tone. It's eight, six, seven, five, three, oh, nine. Jenny, Jenny, who right? can I turn to? Eight, six, seven, five, three, oh, nine, eight, six, seven. That video, by the way, like with like the writing in the, the yeah. uh, bathroom walls. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, there's a lot of there's a lot of talk about like, well, is Jenny a real person? Was she a boy? She's not supposed to be a prostitute, blah, blah, blah. I don't really know. The point of the matter is this. Where I was growing up when that song first landed, 867 was in fact a viable local prefix on the phone. So, of course, I listened to it one day and like, I have to give it a call. I had nothing in my head. Like, I don't know what I was going to say when they picked up. I'm just like, is it a real number? I, I'll find out, you know, and, and call it. And, and I'm like, and I'm thinking, you know, like, <laughs> I'm 11 years old. I'm like, what am I going to say to the stranger on the time. phone? Hmm, this may be a bad idea. 
you goddamn kids don't stop calling me. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> this guy slams the phone again. This guy. Like, every time the song went on the radio, I guess this guy's phone just popped off for, like, an hour afterwards. <laughs> like, this perpetual torture of this song. Like, he probably couldn't wait for it to get to get gone. He was probably, like, so happy it ended when it did. We used to listen to that and go, somebody somewhere is getting these calls. And now I'm glad to know that somebody somewhere was getting <laughs> It was in my neighborhood, man. That was one of those calls. <laughs> Uh, this is why <laughs> five 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 is the prefix for every number. You <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Because the just, horror stories that keep because it's just like that. I helped. I helped to abuse the phone system, and I really don't care who knows it. Oh man, good stuff. All right, um, Chris, what have you got? What have you got next for us? If you're blue and you don't know where to go to, Do why don't you go, you go where, where fashion, fashion sits? So yeah. Nineteen eighty two tacos uh loose remake of an early Berlin tune. <laughs> Just destroys the charts. What the hell? It was, it was so the, bizarre. It was the most. I, yeah. I don't know. The, these real, like out of the blue one hit wonders. They're my favorites. Yeah, and that one was like that was like it was such an early '80s sound. Like it, it just like they had synthesizers but didn't know what to do with them, and like it just has this bizarre staccato kind of no bump 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 but dum bump. And like, why is this on hit radio? But there it's, it was. It sounds like soundtrack music, right? It really kind of <laughs> does. But putting on the Ritz is a good song. I remember like. I remember bopping along to that quite a lot back in the day when it first came out. It was a good tune. So, love that Loved one. Oh, all right. Joe, what have you got for us? '97 in the summer, I was down in Texas. I was working at a Nike factory outlet store, which was in an outdoor mall that had music piped in centrally from the main office that they couldn't control. And um, there were a number of songs that I hope to God I never hear again. Among them was a song by three young men who I was convinced were girls. And that was Hanson. <gasps> So every hour on the hour, we get that. And finally, at one point, I remember my manager coming out and he goes, if I hear this song again, I'm going on the roof with a high-powered rifle. And <laughs> it just was one of those songs that that whole summer, yeah. Over and over, like there was one song about a lemon tree and there was how bizarre like, there were a number of songs that I remember hearing but that one was the soundtrack to that entire summer working down there oh man nothing would yeah. make you want to go after the radio like Quentin Jaws you know with the baseball bat <laughs> Like so so by the way like i know these are like, oh, that's great that's list. great you're certifiable hanson you know that certifiable i've got 10 to 12 more that i like this yeah. is one that i wanted to go to a one-hit wonder that makes me want to open a vein well you know it, it's funny you say that because i remember that was deep in the guilty pleasure zone for me like i heard it and i was like oh God, why is this kids bop nonsense coming on my radio now i'm trying to get to work you know the more i listened to it the more i liked it I remember people making comparisons to them than Jackson 5. I'm like, let's not get carried away with ourselves. That's a bit much. But I will say, I, I was like, these guys actually are pretty good musicians. You know, it was played without mercy across the country. It's like grand social That was experiment. the Chekhov, Wrath of Khan earworm for me. Yeah, it, it was, it was it, you couldn't get away from it apart from going into a coal mine. I mean, it was, it was just everywhere, you know. <laughs> Tom, what have you got for us? You know what, OPP? Yeah, you, hey, know you know me. me. <laughs> that was my next choice. <laughs> sorry to cross that one off the list for you buddy um uh, naughty by like, nature 
Who doesn't oh, love that song? Naughty is like, the least the rap. And like all that rapid yeah. fire just like hitting you like yeah. a ton of bricks. I mean, that yeah. was really cool. I like that song. <laughs> that was like that was like a great like spring break kind of song. That's like a song where you needed like it felt Party better when a bunch of people were jouping around outside to it. You know, it, yeah. it a good Cypress Hill will like the House of Pain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> exactly. like House, which was all was gonna yeah, be on my list as well. House of Pain cross one off my list. Jump around, jump, jump, jump around. Well, you know, there was a lot of like, <sighs> like there's a lot of rap and hip hop that kind of hit that sort of vein, just so like like jump around type music, you know. And it was it was just a lot of fun. It was great to listen to, great party music. It was super fun. You just like listen to it and just. Got got in your in your in your blood and just just went crazy. You know, just a, I just have a that mood. on a on a mix that I play like driving up to campus stuff, and I always like get to it and I'm like, yeah. And then I remember my kids are in the back seat. And I'm like, ooh, gotta skip to the. <laughs> 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 they, don't, they don't know what that second p means. I mean, it's complicated. They're guessing. <laughs> <laughs> it's complicated. <laughs> letter P is a, a versatile letter. It can be many different things. Uh, can, ladies, you know, means something different. You know, could be persimmons. You know, you know, I don't know. <laughs> the first two are the same. The last means something different. Exactly. Yes, I'm going to move on to um, Superman. It's not easy by Five for Fighting. Not a song I particularly enjoy. It means something to me because I remember listening to it and getting angry over it. I'm like, ugh, like, why is Superman such a whiny moper in the song? Like, he's like, you know, nobody understands how tough it is to be Superman. You know, I got these boots, I got these cape, and I just gotta do stuff. And nobody knows what it's like, and they'll get any day. Shut up, you're Superman, okay, Kal El? Just you know, freaking cape up and go. But it's pretty close to the. It, you know, I mean, it's if the sad piano music of Charlie Brown walking along after a defeat could be made into a comic book, it would be this song. As I silently raged in my car over this dumb song I kept hearing, I was like, what would it take to put Superman in that place? Like, what would it actually take to get him where he would be that self-pitying, right? And Next that letter. put me on a, a journey of thought that ultimately resulted in a series of novels I'm finishing up right now called Omega Rain. It's all about a, a superhero kind of universe where something happens and a really awful catastrophe happens and one of the main characters is basically the Superman kind of stand-in and he himself has suffered a great trauma. If you have superpowers, we're still all people and everybody's psyche is, is always a, a, a fragile point of, and it's like a single point of failure. And, and if you, everybody has that thing that can, it can happen to you as a person that can break you or it can damage you or it can set you back. It doesn't matter if you can launch missiles. It doesn't matter if you can deflect bullets. It doesn't matter how powerful you have. There are those things that just, they just wound us so deeply. That's been like my creative journey for the last several years is doing these novels. And they mean a great deal to me. And they've helped me process a lot of you know personal tragedy in my life and make sense of it. But the oddball thing is that it all comes back to this stupid song by Five for Fighting that I really don't like. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I will always, I'll always owe that song a debt of gratitude, even yep. though I don't, I don't care to mention it. But there, there you have it. I am deeply grateful for that song because now I have gotten to read your books. So, oh, thank yeah, you, man. I, I appreciate it. it. <laughs> Moving on, Chris, what have you got for us? <laughs> I love myself. I want you to love me when I feel down. Oh. I want you. Holy Moses! Don't, please don't touch yourself. Oh, Good divinals. lord. Oh, divinals. The vinyls, nineteen. I don't want anybody I else. Chris. Myself, every line of this song is a sexual innuendo. Every <laughs> single couplet. Every single one. Innuendos and are supposed. He had to, to use. Like, he had to use couplet. By the and, <laughs> and, and it's just great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. It, yeah. That this song was everywhere for a while. You it was. Could not get away from it, and. Well, you didn't necessarily want to. <laughs> when, so, so that one landed when we were in college, and I don't know about you guys, but honestly, 
like for like a solid year, every live band who played anywhere at on campus, like <laughs> usually somewhere in this like in the second half of the second set, they'd fire that one up and everybody's been drinking and people are starting to get stupid with each other and it's like Look out. <laughs> it's like the song's coming on and people are going to act inappropriately. Here, here it happens. Stuff's going to happen. It's a good thing there's no cell phones yet. Yeah. I, seem, I seem to remember them doing a Saturday Night Live. Am I wrong about that? That I think they, I think the they vinyls? were guests on they Saturday Night Live. They seem like, you know, I can't say that they did, but they seem like the perfect band that would have come on to do Saturday Night Live. I seem to remember, because it was when I was in high school when you guys were in college, I seem to remember them doing an SNL. And it was like in that Adam Sandler, Chris Farley yeah. year. And it was well, exactly was, <laughs> so what was their second song? <laughs> they just did it again, I think. <laughs> fair. That, 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 that's fair. I no, I can't. And nobody minded. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure they had a best of album too, which and it was just that <laughs> song. Was this a remix album? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I, I it was in the bookstore. I know that. <laughs> a best of album. All right, Joe. What have you got for us? I'm going to jump back into the, the pump up before an athletic endeavor song. And I'm going to oh, go yes. back. And this is uh, almost ruined for me, by the way, when it came out a number of years ago, that it was Tim Tebow's favorite song. But it is. <laughs> now it is ruined. So you instantly hated it forever. Is Ain't almost fire. Man in motion. <sighs> want to be a man in motion when you get a set of wheels. That's right. Ain't almost fire. It is the kind of song design. I'm going to hear just once in his life, a man has his time and my time is now, right? I mean, like, it is just, oh. it is designed to get you ready to roll. Burning in me. Exactly. Oh, man. That was, yeah, that's a great song, actually. <laughs> and it was, it was on heavy, like, I had a, I had my, my Walkman, the, a, yeah. you know, a tape that I had made back, because, you know, back kids, we used to make tapes to play in our, our Walkmans. And that was one before track meets, before, you know, it was yeah. ready to go in the first heat of 100 meters. It was like, here we go. And this is, that was the song I'd play yeah. to get ready to go. It's just got, it's just a, this big chorus. It's just easy to, to scream out, like in the car or something. You can just sort of, that song is kind of the standard bearer for a lot of songs in that part of the 80s that serve that sort of purpose, like a cinema anthem of some kind. That was just a great, a great tune. It was just, it was just a, a ton of, a ton of fun, you know? Out. Oh, yeah. I associate it uh, closely with Night Ranger's uh, Sister Christian. Very much so. Yes. <laughs> yeah. How many times Night Ranger chart? Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure John Parr is one of their stunt doubles. I mean, those guys who were fairly interchangeable. <laughs> so, so if we're doing Sister Christian, what the hell do they say? Is it motorin? Motorin. Like, <laughs> What's your price for flight? Yeah. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> right. yeah, I understand, but like. You're excited now. <laughs> <laughs> it's more that, fun to try to figure them out. You where you need to go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what color your eyes are, baby, but your hair is long and brown. Come on, come I, on. I know this. Um, it's alive. Yeah, yeah. He's Joe's got it. Joe's got it. Yeah, so yeah. alive. Love rockets. Yeah. Yes, named for the comic book. So alive. Is, is it named after the comic book, really? Yeah, I remember that song, yeah. Oh, that com that comic book's on my reading list for 2021. And and hard. I realize now there's like 34 years of it to read. <laughs> so, <laughs> it, it may take me to 2022, oh, to be honest. There's so much there. And if Joe didn't get that, I was going to cut to my favorite song about doing cocaine on airplanes, which is Lit by Buck Cherry. <laughs> <laughs> That, that's a pretty broad genre, though, Tom. I mean, how do you really support that? <laughs> Tom, Tom covered an amazing amount of ground in 30 seconds. Okay, no one else has it that flagrantly in the song, though, do they? 
Oh, man. Good stuff. All right. My next one is uh, I've had the time of my life. Yeah, so this is the theme from Dirty Dancing. I've had the time of my life by Bill Medley and Jennifer Warnes, uh, which is not a song I particularly enjoyed per se, but at that time, it was all to you, Bill. It was huge. It was huge. Dirty Dancing was it was like it was so inescapable. It was the first movie that I recall ever coming out where it was still actually it was still in the theaters when it finally hit home video, which in the '80s was a big deal. I mean, there's just young women everywhere just kept this movie going for eternity. It was Titanic before there was Titanic. You know, and, yes. and the surfeit of one hit wonders off of that, right? We've got Patrick Swayze doing She's Like the Wind. We've got yeah. we've got Eric Carmen doing Hungry Eyes. Uh, I mean, and, and then there's also there's a real old one hit wonder called Hey Girl that actually got revived that was in that soundtrack as well. So there's a lot. But my my story off this one is at that same epic karaoke session in New Orleans where I did I did Just a Friend with Sean. Sean did this song with a duet with an old colleague of mine named Blanca. And Blanca was not the person you would normally, she just wasn't, you know, she was just kind of quiet, um, awesome person, but, you know. Green, electrified fangs. <laughs> no, no the, 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 thing is that, the thing is that she did a lot of singing on the side, like for a church choir and all that, and nobody really knew about it, but, except for like, if like, oh, yeah, you know, if you hear about Blanca, you ever hear her sing? No, she's really, really good. Oh, really? She gets up. And she sings uh, Gloria Gaynor's I Will Survive and brings the house down. I mean, it was like, what? Like, Black is the best. Not long after that, she and Sean get up. I had always heard this song was kind of like a call to action for like young women to get up and start dancing. The song picks up, hits that, hits that, you know, hits that first chorus, right? And, bam! and like a flash mob, every woman in the place just gets up out of their chair and just starts dancing everywhere. I mean, it was like, it was like, like in a, like in an old Elvis musical movie when the whole room starts dancing for no reason. I was like, every woman's on. Well, like in Dirty dancing. dancing at the end when everyone starts dancing. For like no every guy's still in their chair, like what just happened? Like, boom. And they're just like going <laughs> off. And I remember being on the stage in that place, the lights are kind of in your eyes. So you couldn't quite see what was happening past the stage. And, and, and Sean gets off and he's like, oh, it was fun. I'm like, Dude, did you see what happened? He's like, no. I'm like, it was like a magic spell. You guys hit the, the, the song kicked up, and every woman leapt out of her chair and started dancing and wouldn't quit. It was the most amazing thing I ever saw. And it was like, oh, I'm sorry, I missed it. I'm like, it was, it was really, really cool. So it was neat to see that even after all this time, that song is like, you sing it, and things will happen. And it's really cool to see that happen. I thought that was just a really, a really great effect, and I'll never forget it. I just, I just love that. So, all right, Chris, what do, you, what have you got for us? Pissing the night away, pissing the night away. Takes a whiskey drink, drink. takes a vodka drink. drink. Takes a vodka drink. Takes a drink. Exactly. Tub thumping, man. Chumbawamba. Oh, Speaking of karaoke songs. Wamba. Chumbawamba. Yeah, Chumbawamba. Chumba effing wamba. Oh, I get knocked down I get up again. Uh, You're never going to bring me down. Oh, man. That song, I thought it would never die. Never die. It, it, it really wouldn't never die. And I think the hilarious thing about that song is that Chumbawamba had been around for a while, actually. They were so disgusted with things like Band-Aid and Live Aid. They actually did an album called it called something like Starving Children Will Sell Will Sell Albums. <laughs> it was like the name of the album. <laughs> I was like, whoa. Like they were they were pretty angry about it. If you live long enough, you become the villain of your own story. And so they just became this like, you know, you know, they're known for something just as vapid, just as pointless, and you know, and it just just went around forever. And, and uh, <laughs> I just I just love how that turned on them. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Joe, what's your next selection? 
Yeah, in the late 80s and the early 90s, uh, hair bands had, had uh, lost the will to do metal and uh, radio had changed and they started doing these power ballads and these, <laughs> these romantic acoustic songs. And the one it that was, an epidemic. was a big deal when I was in high school was a band by the name of Extreme oh, doing more than words. More than words. Oh every God. battle of the bands, every guy who wanted to get laid with a guitar would be able to do that song. <laughs> And it was like the new Blackbird by the Beatles. Yes. <laughs> the song that you would play if you were looking to go home, not alone. Yeah. Yeah. Love the oh. song. Love the song. Going to have to challenge you on the one hit wonder status. What else does Extreme do? Lay it on me. Wholehearted. Wholehearted. They did. Yeah, I guess. I, yeah. I'll... Yeah. And the only reason I challenge is because I'm actually an extreme fan, and like, <laughs> I, I will say, extreme. You know, extreme. a great guitarist, and <laughs> and that was their song. So they don't even get to show off the guitar skills or anything. It was yeah. acoustic, two acoustic songs that charted. Yeah, it just was such a big hit when I was in school, and I, I mean, I remember wholehearted too, but I just like. I put that with like Nelson and Millie Vanilli. It didn't, it wasn't in the same category for me. Nelson. Nelson. <laughs> After the rain. Exactly. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. dude. Extreme did an awful lot to advance the oiled ponytail agenda of the early 90s. So we have, or we the have them. pause and slap the guitar twice before continuing agenda. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Wake it up. All right. So I think my next one is going to be No Rain by Blind Melon. Yeah, I know. It's not a song I particularly enjoy, honestly. Um, and, and you know, rest in peace, Shannon Hoon, who, you know, just had an extraordinarily self-destructive drug habit and then died not long after after No Rain kind of took off and was a huge hit. The reason why this song has a place in my heart is not because of the songs per se, but people who know the song probably know the, the video that went with the song. Goddamn so Bumblebee. Yeah. And the Bumblebee, right? And in the plot of the video is there's this little girl dancing as a bumblebee in a talent show and nobody gets her act. And they're kind of laughing at her. She kind of goes off and is sad, but ultimately finds her people and finds acceptance. And it's all, it's all, it's all good. When my daughter was little, she used to make her own Halloween costumes for, for year after year. And she used to be these really cool, you know, elaborate costumes. And she was just like, I want to be, uh, you know, an X or a Y. And it was never like a branded property. She's you know, she like, I just want to be the Statue of Liberty. I want to be this or that. And so one year she decided she was going to make herself into a bumblebee. And without knowing what she was doing, she made herself basically the stunt double for the bumblebee from, from no, the No Rain video. The reason why it's funny is because she went out trick-or-treating and everybody who knew the video was like, oh my God, and just dumped candy into her pillow. <laughs> Her pillowcase, and she came home just loaded with candy and did not understand why she got so many. I mean, we're talking like full size, you know, three musketeers, the whole works. The people just gave all their good stuff to her because they just loved that she was, they, they thought she was the bumblebee from the No Rain video, and she wasn't, but that didn't stop her from getting like 100,000 calories worth of candy in a single night. So I was like, <laughs> good for you, kiddo. Well done. <laughs> I, have, I have to say, when I went to when I went to college in the fall of 93, that was when that song was a, a big deal. And my roommate and I lived on the the first floor and there was a girl up on the second floor and it was a hot September and our windows were all open and the girl upstairs had that song, like not even that album, just that song over and over and over and over. And, and I think she thought she was the bumblebee girl. I don't know what was going on, but like it yeah. never stopped. We eventually had to go upstairs and have an intervention and be like, listen, we get it. You like this song. You're either going to close the window or we're going to take this disc and like bury it out in the yard someplace. And so like, I, I just, I can't handle it because it was like, one of those things that 
you know, made you want to never wake up again. Uh, the under the bridge did to death, as we said from that era. But, uh, <laughs> oh, speak, yeah, exa- exactly. Under the bridge is such a good song, though. <laughs> it's such a good song, yeah. and it, it's one of the few times that the Chili Peppers really dig deep about something personal, and it just got like that song got hammered to pieces. <laughs> In my school, it was under the bridge that day. I could not get it up. Was the, the way we said. <laughs> I could not. Oh, man. All right. I'm not going to do it. Tom. All right, Tom, you're up, man. Summertime Girls, Y&T. I love that song so much. It does not hold up very well. It's about a guy who basically goes to the beach for an eyeful. And uh, <laughs> I still love it. It, like, it just reminds me of like the middle of the summer when, you know, top down, you're going to the beach. And I just, I love it so much. It just always puts me in that summer mode, which, which, you know, that's me. I'm the child of the summer. Y&T will claim on its website that it is still touring and it is still churning out songs. They had the one that charted. And they are in fact lying. They say there are no other hits. <laughs> Why are you lying? Yeah, Stop oh, telling yeah. Mr. Roots. My, my I'll buy the shows. albums anyway. Just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The lie detector test says. <laughs> yeah, get Maury Povich on it. We've looked at your <laughs> looked at your tour schedule and determined that's that is a, a lie. lie. <laughs> <laughs> so my next one is um, I like big butts and I cannot lie. You other brothers can't deny. Walks in with the itty bitty face and the round thing in your face, you get sprung. You gotta pull up tough. Oh, my God, man. Oh, my God, Becky. <laughs> look at her butt. <laughs> Just look at it. You can do side bends or sit-ups. Please don't lose that butt. Uh, that song was so much fun. It was a terrific fun. I absolutely adored it. It's just, it's just one of those, it's like, it's everybody knows it's a goofy, stupid song, including Sir Mix-A-Lot. You start hearing it, people just start laughing and getting goofy. And, and, and you just, it's just so infectious, you can't help it, you know? It's an iambic pentameter, which is, you know, a win. And it was body positivity <laughs> before his time. A great... <laughs> testament to its staying power was I saw a YouTube video not long ago. The Seattle Philharmonic Orchestra has this program where they like to do these concerts where they will they will connect with musical talent from the Seattle area. They did a classical version of Baby Got Back because her mix a lot is from Seattle. And it's like, I went to this live thing and he's like, hey, Graham, so great to be back here. He goes, he goes, right, so, you know, we're going to do this song. Can I get a couple ladies to come up and join me on stage? Dude, like 40 women go blasting up on stage. Like, we were doing this thing. Boom. And he's like, let's get this going. And the strains come in. They kill them on. I like big butts. On butts, I mean, every woman turns around and just starts twerking hard at the audience. And we're talking like librarians. We're talking school teachers. We're talking people who normally would like. Sir Mix-a-Lot gave them gave them license to just go bonkers on the stage, and it was a fantastic thing. It was so cool. I'm like, I'm like this. None of the power is lost, and Sir Mix-a-Lot probably had the best day of his year. I mean, it was just like he, even even he was like, okay, it's a lot of control here. And I was like, that's great. Let me just say for the record, I was in high school when that was out, and uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So second grade teacher got fired the next day. <laughs> exactly. Oh, well, that's how we lost Mrs. Abernathy. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Chris, what have you got for us? Because it's a bittersweet symphony that's life. Oh, my God, the verve. Trying to make ends meet. You're a slave to money, then you die. Was, oh, there a, was there a movie in the 90s that didn't have that as part Pretty of Pretty much. Story? I mean, like, you, the, yeah. it's an inescapable song. Yeah. It, it's been done by, like, 
I, I probably a hundred different orchestras. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I mean, every this is it's been remade. It's been you know remixed. It, it's 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 kind of an immortal song that that will be with us forever. I suspect. Well, it's my understanding that 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 song is the reason why it's a one hit wonder because the Verve, I guess the Verve got sued by the Rolling Stones over it for using more of a Rolling Stones song than they should have, and ultimately that caused the breakup of the band. <laughs> Joe, what have you got? I'm gonna jump back into the VH1 uh, days and I'm gonna go to 1983 and I'm gonna pull up a Thomas Dolby. She blinded me with science. Science! <laughs> Here she comes again. <laughs> That video is a brilliant video, and the song is just—it's just so much fun. I, I, I just—I love it so much. For for years, we would just go science. Science. You just want to like punctuate some interesting thing. You don't know really how it happened. You just go science. <laughs> it's got like the you know in the video the, the assistant is this sexy busty creature trying to distract him, and he's like, no science. <laughs> It's fantastic. <laughs> so, so great, man. Honestly, it's from, it's from a better time. What have you got for us, Tom? There it is. Oh, there, there it is. is. <laughs> and the only shaka-laka, reason shaka laka, shaka laka, They had the opportunity to not be a one hit wonder because they got the call to put the song in the movie soundtrack for the Adams family. And what do they come up with? But. Woomp Adams Family. That's what they came up oh. with. They basically resubmitted the first hit song to be the second hit song. <laughs> could have upended it. Could have not been in the episode. But oh, no, man. they screwed it. Now up. they sell ice cream. <laughs> now they sell, now now they they sell, sell ice cream. Scoop. There it is. Scoop. There it is. Chocolata, chocolata, chocolata. Sprinkles. It's like... Utterly watchable yeah, commercial. You know, there you get your fame for being a one-hit wonder, and then you show up in a commercial later. When, like, yeah, it's like, yeah, that's like, great. Now the mighty have fallen. <laughs> it's so bad. Shall I go with super cringy from early years? Shall I go with college memory? Shall I always go cringy? With, shall I always go, go the, cringe? Shall I go with the 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 third the third item of my New Orleans karaoke trilogy? Always go cringy. If I'm gonna go cringy. I'm gonna go with Star Wars theme cantina band. By Miko from 1977. Yeah. Also known as the Disco Star Wars theme. Star Wars. Oh my God. <laughs> that, that song Nothing was just. Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, it had laser blast. And oh yeah, and it went the Cantina Band theme, like in the bridge. It was it was really all over the place. I will say this. I am not the only kid in America who bought the John Williams double album soundtrack to Star Wars expecting to hear this song on it at some point in time. and never did. And I was like, what happened? So it's probably it's probably better this song never appeared in the movie. But the unholy mashup of Star Wars and disco at a time when Star Wars is big enough that everybody had to reference it, but not so big enough that it could control its own narrative. And you had things like this happen, which is unfortunate. So, all right, Chris, what have you got? It's been seven hours and 15 days since you took your love away. Uh, uh, <laughs> Sinead O'Connor, 1990. Is she a one Nothing compares to you. A Prince joint. 
Yeah, she pretty much was a one-hit wonder. I mean, yeah. she had other songs, but they just never, they never, I mean, nothing compared to that. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think she ever charted other than that in America. Yeah, yeah, Mostly no. because she tore up uh, the Pope's picture in what I consider a really brave and intelligent protest on Saturday Night Live, but nobody else did at the time. <laughs> yeah, it led to spectacular professional self-destruction, unfortunately, and she... Yeah, she was not. She was not aware of what she was uncorking when she did that, and I, yeah, I felt she, bad. I felt bad for her because she was a great vocalist too. She was a whole different kind of one-hit wonder because yeah. she kind of did it to herself. Yeah, and <laughs> okay, Bjork, it's okay. Bjork was there to pick it up. I <laughs> she was like an early victim of cancel culture. Like she really outraged all the right people, and it's made sure that she would never be heard from again. Which is you know, compared to a lot of the acts we have mentioned tonight, she's an immortal. Joe, what have you got? I'm going to go to, uh, it's actually a song I picked up when I was in college. And oh. it was. Um... <laughs> Suddenly, like, whatever. More UNH <laughs> crap. All right. Anyway, onward. No, no, no. no. <laughs> this is the Cardigans and Loveful. Oh, Cardigans Loveful. Okay. Nice. Nice. Love me, love me. Say that you love, you love me. me. <laughs> it was just, it was at a time when, like, I remember I was getting out of, like, top 40. And my, my buddy was, like, introducing me to some new stuff. And he was like, oh, try this. Band, try this artist. And yeah. I was like, oh, what? And I was like, hey, he was trying to make me listen to Portishead yeah. and other crap. And that was one that actually landed with me. Yeah, there were a lot of bands that sounded very much like them. I remember like that's that like that was like a time like I was out of college, didn't have a lot of money to be buying music. So I was l- largely listening to music I was hearing on the radio. And I remember having a real problem telling them apart from several other bands that were like touring the Laws at, at, at the or time. Sixpence on the Richer, or like, yeah, they were right in that. Yeah, yeah there's like, <laughs> there's a bunch of like, they're all, I like them all, but they're all pretty much the same thing. Like, they're all forming the same super I think group. I like that they were named after sweaters. I think that that was okay with me. I, I really, I, I did dig this song. And the lead singer of the Cardigans, Nina Person, I have a huge affection for because she, well, dated. And also saying backup for uh, Sparkle Horse, uh, North Carolina act, I-, I think is one of the most brilliant performers of the last 50 years, personally. Yeah. Tom, you're up next. Go ahead. It is a great feat to have the one song that makes you a one-hit wonder be about selling out and becoming a one-hit wonder. <laughs> <laughs> and I have to give it out to a local because EPMD... Eric and Parrish making dollars from Brentwood, Long Island, just a couple towns over. The song is Crossover, and it talks about crossover artists and different genres and how it's a sellout. It's a great song. If you don't know it, yeah. like just give it a listen. But it's so ir- ironic. You, you never heard from them again. You know, the, the band broke up, and that was it. That was the end of it. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go with I Melt With You by Modern, Modern English. English. Oh, right. yeah. Mm-hmm. Now they sell Burger King with it. Mm-hmm. And the whole the whole room mm-hmm. and open wide. And just it it's just you know it's one of those songs everybody just can't help but sing along to the chorus at least. And it's it's, it's getting better all the time. All the time. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's just it's just a fun song to sing along to. It's a, just a fun song, and it's it it's one of those. Out. It's it's widely considered to be like one of the really truly like great one it wonders. Like it's just it gets referenced everywhere all the time um it just it gets included in you know other other kinds of music other kinds of media it's just one of those things it will be around long after civilization falls and you know aliens are trying to come to figure out what exactly happened they will find recordings of i Melt with you still on repeat somewhere on planet earth and they'll bring it back what better agents they'd have been the cure from. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know exactly. You know, you know. But for for all that, having heard it as many times as I've heard it, I never got tired of it. Like it's just a great, it's just a great tune. You know, and I just uh, I dig it. So, 
All right, one more round here. Uh, Chris, what have you got? Something in the moonlight catches my eye. The shadow of a lover goes dancing by, looking for a little bit of love to grow. So give me love, give me heart and soul. To pow. To pow. No way. Yeah. I, I, I really did this to shame Joe. <laughs> There's no Honestly. shame here. I'm sorry I ragged on Portishead. <laughs> I'm sorry, okay? No, no, but you should have picked it, obviously. <laughs> Who's to say I wasn't going to? Maybe I was saving it for last. Maybe you were. Maybe you fraud on my heart and soul. <laughs> so, pal, they, they, what, I, that was a huge hit, and uh, you know, a band that just sank without a trace—just boom, they were gone. Yeah, never heard from again. And also, nice just so everybody's clear, uh, Joe's a big Star Trek fan, and Tapau is named for the the Vulcan lady from Star Trek: The Original Series. The, the Vulcan lady. The Vulcan, the Vulcan lady. lady. You only see two. The chick what done with the ears, you know her. Anyway, <laughs> who said the a lot? I was just I was right there. I was gonna say like, you know, what is thy problem? <laughs> oh man! All right, well, Joe, since we just denigrated you and everything you love, uh, why don't you go next? What what have you got for us? Uh, I've got a couple of choices. I could go with a VH1 from the '80s or a college one. I'm gonna go with VH1. I'm gonna drop back and I'm gonna go all the way back to "She's a Beauty" by the Tubes. Nice. Oh, love that song. She's one in a million, girl. Yeah. And, and what I love so much about that uh, song is the video where it's essentially like a kid going into uh, a carnival and falling in love with a mermaid. <laughs> is, is the right. video who this. has, Joe, who hasn't? Who hasn't? Right? I mean, you know, and you got to pick, if you got to pick the mermaid, fish top half, fish bottom half, it's a conversation. I understand. But this kid goes, you know, and, and yeah, listen, if, <laughs> you'll find out she don't love you. And like, it's just, the song is, is unrequited love and... You know, yeah. innocence being corrupted, and I dig it the most. <laughs> it's a great tune. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good tune. I dig that one. Tom, what do you have for us? For my final selection, I'm going to go with cheese metal, but I can't pick which one. Hang on. Um, so many gosh. choices. Just pick them all. I'll Never Let You Go, Angel Eyes by Steelheart. Okay? Uh, this is a song that the first time I listened to it, all I could think of was... Oh my God, the amount of vocal talent that is being wasted on this awful song is atrocious. <laughs> and it stuck with me until I saw an equally atrocious movie with Mark Wahlberg and Jennifer Aniston in it called Rockstar. I've seen, yes, I've seen Rockstar. <laughs> Every rotation on cable during, during certain months. Yeah. Um, but the lead singer from that band, Steelheart, is the guy that they brought in to do his vocals in uh, oh, really? Rockstar. Okay, all right. And uh, I, I actually feel kind of bad for the guy. He's got this uh, sort of unpronounceable Croatian or something name, but uh, <laughs> like hit, hit it big with that song with his band, and then a piece of lighting fell on his head, and that was the end of the band. Oh, he no, wait, die. He's still alive. He's still oh, turning stuff out, but that yeah. was the thing that broke the momentum. Oh, how tragic. That's uh, terrible. Yeah, it sucks. When you but, say um, Angel Eyes, I can't help but think of Jeff Healy Band and the blind guy with the steel guitar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's where, I, that's where I thought you were headed. And, and Jeff Healy also played, he was he was the house music in Roadhouse. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That would have been a good uh, thing to pick, but uh, yeah. you know, I am absolutely scraping the bottom of the cheese metal barrel for this because uh, <laughs> I need to go out in a very shameful way. <laughs> well, Tom, I can tell you that. Yeah, you have, in fact, scraped the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> it's, 
I, I, I spent a lot of time on the way by Saigon kick, but, uh, no. Oh, Saigon kick. They had a great, I, that Saigon kicks a band that I like the name of the band more than anything else about the band. Like, <laughs> that's just a cool, a cool name. You know what? Back in the eighties in particular, there was just a ton of really regrettable speed metal, hair metal, cheese metal, power metal, whatever you want, whatever, you know, kind of alloy what? you want to put onto it. That was just filled with people who actually had some significant talent, especially on the vocal side or just guitarists who could just shred. And it was being put to this really tragic end of putting out just Tesla. <laughs> just putting out some shambolic music. And it's like, oh, you guys, like you came so close. You were you were right there. And then, <laughs> you know, and we'll do an difficult. episode on White Lion one day. It'll be fantastic. Oh, very good. <laughs> Excellent. Transformers. All right. So for my last selection, I'm going to finish off my New Orleans karaoke trilogy with the song I have much, much love for. This here's a tale for all the fellas trying to do what those ladies tell us. Get shot down because you're overzealous. Play hard to get females. Get jealous. Bust a move by young okay, MC. Okay, smarty. Go to a party. Oh, man. Girls are scantily clad, showing body. <laughs> man, girl walks by. You wish you could say <laughs> stand yellow. by the She's wall like yellow. he was Poindexter. Next day's function, high-class luncheon. <laughs> There's stole cold munching. He, ri- oh, no, he rhymes it's... yellow with fellow. Yeah. Gawking and talking, groove, move. Oh, yeah. Music comes on, people start to dance, and then you ate so much, and you'll split your pants. Oh, man, I feel you, yeah, brother. I've been there. I know that. I know that feeling. Yeah, but no, I like that, he goes that, to a movie by himself, and he's just hanging out. Yeah, and, exactly. Yeah. No, that, that song was just a, just a ton of fun. Young MC was actually a really talented and very successful producer. He'd actually done a ton of stuff. So like, he's kind of like, is he really a one-hit wonder, or is he not? Because his, his fingerprints are on a bunch of other songs that did really, really quite well for, for a while, but he decided to do his own hit, and he just did that one, and just came out of nowhere, crushed it, went away again. But... I, I sang this song for karaoke in, in, in New Orleans and just had an absolute ball. And I remember I, I was singing it, and it's just one of those things where, like, it just happened at the right time of the evening where everybody's, you know, willing to have just a great time. And one of the colleagues I worked with, she just decided, just unbidden, she just jumped up on stage, and she was going to be my backup singer for this. I'm like, whoa, 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 hang on. You, <laughs> hey, you got it. You, you got, got it, it, baby. You bust a move. I was like, whoa, okay, this is happening, right? And she, <laughs> she was just, just, you know, just, she, she was just going bonkers, like, okay. And like, and she jumps on, so everybody else in the house just starts getting like really into this, and like, this, like they're rushing up the stage and getting crazy. And during the middle of the the bridge, it's like kind of like a long bridge there, and I knew like I couldn't just stand there and I wasn't going to dance, so I, I. I bust out in the chorus from um, Play That Funky Music by Wild Cherry. I'm like, and they were dancing and singing and moving to the groove. And they were dancing. Ah. And just when it hit me. <laughs> like the whole crowd's like, who's going to do it? I'm like, play that funky music. Why, boy? The whole crowd's boom, boom, going off. It's like, and then it gets back to like, you know, like your best friend. And just goes right back. And it, it's just out of control. And once again, my dear friend Sean Moynihan was on the scene, and he had gone to the restroom before the song started. He comes out, and I'm like, I'm sitting there singing, and like it's during like the Wild Cherry part. Things are going crazy, and I hear this voice in the back of the place. It comes out, and he just goes, "What the hell is going on?" You had a great kiss, Dennis. <laughs> he was like, he was just like so like what? It was just like this. The whole thing was just for like bedlam, and, and like by the time it was over, there were people on stage with me, and it was like this one of this like just a karaoke rock rock star kind of moment, like. We were all having way more fun than the song allowed for, and I don't really care. It was just a great, a great time and a great moment. I've never had more fun singing a song. I, I will always love that song, even though I think it deserved more as a as a song. But alas, as one hit wonders go, it's a pretty good one. So, oh man, this has been so fantastic. I know we've got more, more. We could go all night oh, long. Oh, so, <laughs> so many. Like, like, like we we haven't even mentioned <laughs> safety dance or true. <laughs> it, My Sharona, it. Brandy. My, 
Oh man, my my my, my Sharona. Dun, 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 dun. Too shy. Too five hundred miles. Oh yeah, yeah. five hundred miles. Another good one. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You spin me round. Oh. Macarena, for God's Macarena sake! Macarena is the yes. Macarena is fantastic. I led with Macarena. Just let the record yeah, show. Yeah, no, Macarena. Macarena. Funky Town by Lips Incorporated. Super Gangnam Style. Oh wait, I will. I will mention that one as as, as we go. But yeah, no, that that one's that one's fantastic. There's always something there to remind me by Naked Eyes. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's a really really fantastic one. Uh, you know, we Axel F by Harold Faltermeyer. Oh, that was a good one. Beverly Hills Cop soundtrack. Yeah, right? Exactly. Exactly. Soundtracks are a good source for one. Soundtracks are a great source for it. They, they really, they really are. Uh, jock jams. Yeah, that's another. Yeah. One. Um, <laughs> another one that very nearly made yeah, jock jams. Like and Ketel. Yeah, exactly. And k kids bop for sure. You know. Yeah. Jock jams. Another one I, I wish I could have fit in was the Humpty Dance by Digital oh, Underground. Oh, yeah. oh, I'd forgotten it. Oh, I would have lost <laughs> my, my name mind. is Humpty. Humpty. Humpty Dance. I like my oatmeal lumpy. <laughs> I like Humping, my oatmeal jumping, funkin'. Oh, that song is fantastic. Oh my god, that song is so fantastic. Uh, we mentioned jump around. Straight butter, baby. <laughs> <laughs> That was well done. Um, you mentioned the cardigans before. I'll be there for you by the Rembrandts was another one. You know, it, it, like they kind of. Funny, have you seen that. her as a huge hit? What are you talking about? That song, because it was the Friends theme, it overshadowed everything else they did. And I know a lot of Rembrandts yeah. fans were like, "Oh, come on!" But like, there are a lot of people who don't know the Rembrandts, but they know that. They did song. do an H in '92, just before Friends, and. Yeah. I remember seeing them and being like, oh, this is a cool band. And then they became a thing. That, again, there were so many bands that sounded like it. Like a year later, Deep Blue Something had Breakfast at Tiffany's and I swear it was the same band. You know, right. I, just, same song. I, yeah. I, 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 I was <laughs> like going to do We're them. Not Going to Take It by Twisted Sister, but I was afraid yeah. of offending people who say Twisted Sister's got other stuff. We, no, we, we did bring it up, though. It got mentioned. So. I, think, I think it's fair to say Twisted Sister is a one-hit wonder in the sense that, again, there are fans or people from the genre who know that they've done more stuff than that. I don't know if they ever had any other songs that, that charted, but that's the one song that people remember them for, and it really overshadows everything else they did, I think. So I think you could, you could, you could I call don't know. I own the Twisted Sister Christmas album. It's spectacular. You should probably stick it up if you don't have it. <laughs> I'll tell you, I'll tell you when that... I heard that right. Twisted Sister Christmas album. Yes. Twisted yeah. Sister is the answer to my favorite riddle all the time. Like, what do you get when you put a you know nut in a blender? <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> it's terrible. Um, I will say that one of the songs I like is um, the, the song by Meredith Brooks called Bitch. Oh, yeah. yeah. Great. The reason why I love that song so much is that it's a good song, but also I remember I remember listening to Casey Kasem's Countdown, and he was he was like he's like and coming in at number twenty five, Meredith Brooks, it's like twenty five, bitch by Meredith Brooks. <laughs> I was like, Liz Jumper, what are you saying? I don't expect him to say the B word. The B word. Yeah. <laughs> by, Meredith Brooks. by the way, I just love that made him say it. When we're talking about Casey Kasem. <laughs> Like he was the voice of Cliff Jumper in the Transformers show, who was the red version of Bumblebee. More importantly, Shaggy. And in the in the in the animated film for the Transformers, they had a launch off of one of their moon bases, and they had Cliff Jumper do the countdown, and it was launching in three, two, and it's Casey Kasem doing the countdown. And my brother and I are dying in the theater oh, watching man. Casey do a countdown in this film. They they were like, hey, listen, so you're gonna do a countdown. That's just how it's gonna roll. Oh man. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> oh, I have to mention uh, 90s. This is a story of a girl. Because <laughs> my sister-in-law like knows them. They went to college around here or something like that. So really, when your hair never falls in quite the same way. Yeah. yeah exactly. Oh man. You never know the words to say or something, something, something. I don't know. But... <laughs> <laughs> oh god, this has been such a great episode. But right in the sky. Relax. Oh, Frankie goes to Hollywood. I nearly, I nearly, you know, I put the, put that one on on my list. That's a great, it's a great tune. But, but the thing is, I, for me, they actually charted with two tribes as well. Um, yeah, so exactly. they kind of, kind of a two hit wonder. Um, but, uh, but I, I love that album. I actually, really, nobody remembers two tribes. This, Billy, this don't tr- be a hero. Come on. <laughs> I hated Billy, don't be a hero because when that was coming around. Everybody who knew me was like, had to sing that song. Like, I get it. It's got a Billy in it. Okay. Hey, hey Joe, where are you going with that gun in your hand? Cry me a river. Uh, yeah, no. But see, at that time, also, Mr. Bill was big on Saturday Night Live. So I was oh, either no. getting Billy Don't Be a Hero or, oh, no. I'm like, I wish my name was anything else, literally. It could be rock. I don't care. <laughs> like, I just need to get out from under this. So <laughs> don't don't bring right. Crash Just Dummies into this. Don't you do that, Crenshaw. Don't, I heard you humming that. That was me. <laughs> Well, you know what, Chris, you're getting in trouble for it anyway. Okay, I don't want justice, I want peace. All right, so that's that's. that's so I did that. Gonna... I threw my voice. <laughs> that's the way it's gonna happen. Before we wrap up, a final thought. When I was doing my homework for this episode, because I knew there were going to be at least two dozen great one-hit wonders I had forgotten about, it occurred to me that the number of songs I could relate to as a one-hit wonder kind of dropped dramatically by the early 2000s. Now, sure, by then I was a dad. So much of my musical entertainment was singing along with Elmo and the Wiggles. But I don't think that tells the full story. For decades, pop music was substantially throttled by music labels, radio station networks, charting organizations like Billboard, and even retail record stores. There was a lot of market influence being wielded by a relatively small number of people who, despite their business reasons for doing things, were still human beings who had subjective tastes and interests. Running that gauntlet made it impossible for a lot of artists to find their audiences. And while there's plenty of fun to be had in talking about the shared experience of one-hit wonders of the 70s, 80s, 90s, and beyond, it's important to see why the notion of a one-hit wonder kind of started to matter less as time went on. Keep in mind, the iPod was invented in 2001, supercharging both the viability of the MP3 player and the notion of selling music for a dollar a song. Napster launched in the same year, making it possible for people to amass huge collections of music without paying for it, perhaps more importantly, making it possible for people to get music in large volumes at any time and anywhere. MySpace launched in 2003, and it was the world's biggest social network until it was surpassed by Facebook, which launched in 2004, but not before launching its own music label and syncing with YouTube, which of course launched in 2005. Spotify launched in 2006, paying artists a pittance per music stream, but making it possible for them to publish and distribute directly to their fans. That model moved even further ahead when Bandcamp launched in 2008, becoming a go-to platform for unsigned talent to publish and obviate the need for even needing a label in the first place. We live in an age where K-pop star Psy recorded the world's biggest song, Gognum Style, in 2012, not by pushing it through a thousand radio stations, but by being the first video to rack up more than a billion views on YouTube. It's more than quadrupled that, by the way, since then. Taylor Swift recently broke the Beatles' long-held record for having released two top-selling albums in a single year. She's now set that new record at three, all from albums that she has sold simply by alerting her Instagram followers 24 hours in advance that something was coming. Music is no longer meaningfully throttled by an industry that profits from artificial scarcity. And while that means we get a lot more songs like Friday by Rebecca Black, we also get a lot more music, period. 
And so much of it is so good. The only thing that's holding us back now from finding music we love really is time and interest. The era of the one-hit wonder is probably dead, and that's not a bad thing. As fun as it is to look back on those songs that captured lightning in a bottle for only a few minutes before they had to let it out again, it's a lot more fun to know that at any time and anywhere, there's a song we haven't yet heard that will be number one in our hearts. All we have to do is open our ears and let the world in. On behalf of myself, Tom, Chris, and Joe, this has been Moments of Truth. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Moments of Truth is hosted by Bill Coffin, Chris Crenshaw, Tom Hespos, and Joe Pace. This podcast is edited by Derek Eisenhart. The Moments of Truth theme is a mashup of The Clermont by Flash Fluherty and a little help from a Texas Instruments Speak and Spell. For more Moments of Truth, be sure to subscribe to this show wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And for hundreds of additional write-ups of my favorite movies, please visit BillCoffin.com. Why do you even have sirens in New Jersey? Nobody's going to get out of your way. I, <laughs> this is true. <laughs> that is absolutely out true. in the streets. <laughs>
you guys just suck so bad. I can't stand it. Sometimes it hurts a little. You know, especially when I pee.